It's another day. It's another message on masks. This time, oh yeah, you could be outdoors if you're vaccinated and not wearing a mask or even indoors. You know what? We don't care. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. We have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Based on the continuing downward trajectory of cases, the scientific data on the performance of our vaccines and our understanding of how the virus spreads, that moment has come for those who are fully vaccinated. So, you know, Everything they said last week about uh, you still need a mask and, and uh, the 10-year-olds playing soccer need to wear masks. Oh, God. So, so no, I guess. I wonder what changed. Maybe it was the great and sainted Biden, all praises to his name, that brought us the vaccine in record time. Wasn't it the Trump administration that got us the vaccine? Quiet your heresy, bitch! We are here to praise Joe Biden! <laughs> We took a vaccine, we took a virus, and we said, how can we make this political? How can we damage each other? And how can we prove to America that, no, you can't trust any institution whatsoever? Man, did they do it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Twitter, Parler, Instagram. Uh, Tony Katz. Then you had Joe Biden. With this tweet, now, does the man send out his own tweets? I don't think the man sends out his own tweets. I really don't. I don't think I don't think his thumbs do the work. Of course not. But this is what he tweets out. He tweets out, the rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. What a tough guy he is. Let me tell you how this goes. You're going to do this or you're going to do that. Right. You can do this over here. But if you don't do this over here, you're doing that over there. You do this, everything's fine. You don't do this, you do that. And then you got a problem with that. You get it? Good. Holy cow. By the way, what rule is this? What rule did the president of the United States think that he could just throw out there? Donald Trump was the dict- was the dictator was the was the dictatorial menace was the strongman what are you talking about you realize how the Anna Navarros of the world and the Joy Reeds of the world and the and the Chris Hayes of the world and the Rachel Maddows etc they just they just lied they just lied to you in every way shape or form when they talked about Donald Trump because how could you say nothing about a, a a tweet as ridiculous as this. It's it's an it's an ultimatum. My friend, you can do this thing over here. And if you do this all will be forgiven. But if you don't do this thing over here, you'll have to do that thing over there and then things will not be forgiven. And you will not be my friend, and then you will be my enemy, and you can imagine what happens to that guy. Unreal. That we live in this world. 
And I go back to how I started. I think the biggest horror to what we have seen is that we have taken masks and we've taken COVID and we said, how can we hurt each other with it? How can we create damage to each other with it? That, that's what we've done. They could have done this months ago, but the CDC had data that one has to question whether or not they manipulated purposefully. The data about the spread when people are outdoors. Oh, it's 10%. The spread is 10% when you're outdoors. No, that came from a study out of Singapore that looked at construction sites. But they didn't look at construction sites that were solely outdoors. They looked at construction sites that were outdoors and indoors. Outdoors, less than 1%, and at times, less than a tenth of a percent. And now all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, you don't need a mask. Look what we did. It's because we got so many people vaccinated. You mean Operation Warp Speed did? I put forth to you what you already know. That if we had to rely on the Biden administration to be able to get people like Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson Moderna in a place where they could create the vaccine, we would still be waiting like we were waiting for Godot. We would still be waiting. So why can't you just give the Trump administration the credit for what they did? They did it right. Because they didn't get out enough vaccine. The vaccine was just being created and just started the distribution. And you may have had to get over a couple of hiccups in the distribution to figure out the best distribution methodology. Do you think FedEx had it right on the first try? And now it's out and you're taking credit for it. They are taking credit for it, by the way. Oh, look look how we got the vaccine out. I'm thrilled that they didn't screw it up. What am I going to say? Say they did a terrible job? They got out of the way mostly and ensured the vaccine got to the places. I appreciate this. So destitute. So damaged is our politics that we can't even say, good job. It's, it's like listening uh, about the border. I, I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're going to hear me get into this later. Um, this from Nancy Pelosi talking about the border is just. Does this is, is this rational to anyone anywhere Secondly, roots. Second are reconstruct. You had to deconstruct the horrible situation that the Trump administration had created at the border. Deconstruct it so you can reconstruct a better system. And they have. And the third is uh, my our friends, the refugees. As I've said to you all before, you've heard it, you can repeat it, I'm sure, because you've heard me say it over and over again, that when we had a hearing on this subject, the evangelicals said that the U.S., the United States Refugee Resettlement Program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism. If we're talking about refugees, but we're not, we're talking about migrants. But the lie that the Trump administration created something terrible. We see you. The problem now is horrific because people were invited in. They were invited in. Did you hear this from Josh Hawley? 
Holy cow. I wasn't going to get into this. I, I may get into more of it later. Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, talking to at, the, at this hearing with uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And saying to Mayorkas, you know, you, you invited people into the country, and, and the audio I have has his words kind of cut into it. And there's Mayorkas saying, I, I, didn't, I don't remember inviting people into the country. I don't remember saying that the border w- w- was open. Don't you think you bear any responsibility for the current crisis by telling the world earlier this year that the border was open? Your words were, we're not telling you not to come. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now. We're just telling you that we're putting a system back in place in which you can come. I mean, don't you think people took your words at face value then? Uh, Senator, I've never said that the border is open and I've never believed. We're not telling you not to come. How would you parse that? Uh, Senator, I've never said that the border is open and I've never believed that it should be an open border. You did say that we're not telling you not to come, though, right? You said that. You remember that. We are not saying don't come. I'm sorry, Senator. I apologize. I, I, you remember saying, don't you, that we're not telling you not to come. Those are your words that I, you said in a press conference. Uh, you, you, you said that, right? I don't, I don't recall saying that. I don't believe You don't I recall am. saying that. That's correct, Senator. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now. That is interesting news that I'm sure everyone will. The, the secretary has just said he, he doesn't have any memory of making those comments. That's Senator. extraordinary. If Secretary Mayorkas doesn't remember saying that, Secretary Mayorkas should step aside because clearly he's not okay. Right now, someone's going to get on Holly's case because it's not. He didn't say. Uh, he didn't say don't come. He said don't come right now. He's no. It was a different use of words. It's the same sentiment. He said there's going to be a moment for you. You're still welcome to come. He still left the inference that the border was open and ready, porous, wanting. You had five girls under the age of seven left for dead in a field in Texas. They were brought across the border. Don't know from where, don't know where their parents are, don't know if they were related, and don't know what happened to them on the way. What do you think happened if somebody could leave them for dead in a field? Because someone left them for dead somewhere. They weren't with adults. There were five kids under the age of seven. Left for dead. Because when it's May in Texas, and you're in an open field with no shelter and no water, you're left for dead. An open field in Texas on the border. It gets what they call in in, in, uh, in uh, circles, uh, in meteorologist uh, circles, it gets, so what's the technical word? That's right, hot. Gets very hot. And you will die. And people do die. They die all the time. You leave a group of of kids under the age of seven, they will all die. I don't know. Maybe they'll survive by drinking each other's tears as they're crying there. But Trump has created the problem. This is a lie. S- Speaker Pelosi lies all the time. And no one says a word. No one says a word. What's the point of this manipulation regarding the border? The point is, it helps you win something politically. It doesn't actually help you solve the problem. The same exact thing applied to masks and COVID. What did it matter if you beat COVID? 
Beating COVID was not the plan, was not the purpose, was not the... No. Winning the White House. Winning politically, that's the only thing that mattered. Nothing else mattered. And that's where the disease is, man. That's where it gets so ugly. Look, I'm not here to make the claim that everything in every way should be bipartisan. That's not my argument. My argument is on the subjects that affect all of our lives, shouldn't it be better that we're all alive? And what what these politicos said is, nope. And aided and abetted by media apparatchik all over the place. I've said this very often about Ron Klain, who is the chief of staff, who I consider, I, I've, I've never met the man. I, I would talk to the man, but I think what he did is disgusting. He ran Ebola response for the Obama administration. He's a longtime guy with, with Joe Biden. And here comes COVID, and he doesn't say, Donald Trump, I despise your policies. I despise you as a person. But for my country, whatever I can do to help with COVID, I will do. I know how to run these things. Let me know what you need. No, what he said is, hey, let's figure out how to help Joe Biden. The country, no. Power, yes. And now he's chief of staff and connections to dark money and all sorts of things. Our problems in the country are much greater than we, than we realize. And then we find things that are connecting. We realize that they are overcomable. But what we, we have to overcome are the people who believe in the politics before the nation, who believe in power before your rights. Those are bad people. And giving them power is a terrible mistake. That's one of the many lessons we need to learn from the border and from COVID and from those who have the power right now. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know what verbal assault is, but Representative Ocasio-Cortez is accusing Marjorie Taylor Greene of doing it and... Oh, okay. Sure. Tony Katz, so good to be with you on Tony Katz uh, today. Supposedly, there's audio of this somewhere, I I think. Um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene accused uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez of supporting terrorist groups. Now, I'm going to do much more than, than accuse. I'm saying it point blank. Her, Representative Andre Carson, Representative Rashida Tlaib, Representative Ilhan Omar, oh, I'm going to dig deep. These bigots, my gosh. And supposedly uh, Green was getting upset with, with uh, Ocasio-Cortez and was, was yelling at her. And uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, being the flower that she is, simply fell apart. Raising her voice uh, to call Antifa and Black Lives Matter terrorist groups, uh, screaming at, or yelling at, uh, I should say, uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, called called, uh, Ocasio-Cortez a radical socialist, you don't care about the American people. And then so Ocasio-Cortez threw her arms up as she continued to walk away. She said something in response, which, of course, was an act of violence in and of itself. 
look, uh, just so we're clear, Representative Ocasio-Cortez never has a moment where she isn't the victim of something, right? That, that's always what happens. She sets herself up in this great victimhood. But what she has had to say about Israel, we're going to get more into Israel. Some of the things we talked about this week, I'm going to, I'm going to share again because it's so very, very important. And also, you have the whole situation where Liz Cheney has been replaced now. It's at least Stefanik in leadership. I'll share some of that audio with you, including the conversation with Liz Cheney talking to Brett Baer about, are you running for president? Who tweeted that out yesterday. That is a feeling, as you know, and you've heard it from your colleagues. So how do you react to that? Well, he's misinformed. Uh, I think that, you know, when you when you look at what we're facing as a nation, uh, there is, is nothing that we need to do as Republicans that is more important than have a strong Republican Party that can attract back the voters that we lost in 2020. Uh, and that means that we have to be in a position where we are being clear. We stand for the rule of law. Yeah. We stand for it. Brett, every time I say we stand for the rule of law, you say, yeah, yeah, you said that. No, like, no, no, it's but not you important. have said the same exact uh, thing But it's numerous really times. important. That's, well, I, so and I understand so it's important. You, Brett, but and it's very important. No, I'm asking just a numerous questions. You said recently that you'd be open to challenging uh, former President Trump in 2024 if that's what it took to keep him from winning again. Tomorrow morning, you're talking to New Hampshire today. So are you running for president? Uh, I am not, Brett. Uh, what I think is really important is that we make sure that uh, that uh, the former president, because we know what he's capable of, because we know what he continues to do, and because we know how important it is for us to be able to advance Republican ideals, that we make sure that he never again get anywhere near the Oval Office. I- is that what matters? Again, you know, I said this the other day, um, we were right. She's just on the wrong page. I don't think he's your issue. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So the word was, was that Israel was going to engage a ground invasion. The Israeli uh, defense forces, ground invasion into Hamas, into the Gaza. Yet it's not what happened. This is a fascinating story of what happens when you know the press won't be with you. Holy crap follow this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz, and go to TonyKatz.com. Get the podcast. It's free. Support the show. You can click right there and do that. It's a great, great write-up from Ed Morrissey over at HotAir.com. So I had this story. I even teased this story. Are we seeing a ground offensive? In Israel, we've discussed the fact that what we're seeing in this fight is different than what we've seen in previous fights. Actually, uh, a little bit later, we're going to be sharing some of the conversations that I had with uh, the Israel Council General, Aviv Ezra. He represents uh, the Midwest of the United States. And that conversation that we had just a few days ago, because I wanted to make sure everybody heard it to really get on the same page of what we're dealing with here and what's happening. And I, I want you to listen to it, and you may end up in the same place that I am, which is this is different. And one of the reasons this is different compared to other, we'll call them skirmishes, even though they're not, right? We're talking about real lives and everything else. But for lack of a better word, 
with no disrespect intended, I'll call it a skirmish. And 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 this this skirmish, right, is different because for the first time you're seeing rocket attacks, missile attacks. I don't know why we call it rockets. Rockets makes me think of the Fourth of July. Missiles kill. We're seeing them across the breadth of Israel. The technology that they have been able to get from Iran, because who else is funding this but the Iranians? That technology can now reach the full breadth of, of Israel. And if you follow social media, you'll, you'll see these photos of the, of the rockets coming in and the Iron Dome system working. Whenever somebody on the political left says, how dare the Israelis, they've got all this technology and an Iron Dome. Iron Dome destroys the missiles midair. It works. And you actually see it in, 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 its, in its working. It's, in its, it's, a, it's a sight. My, my, my oldest showed me the photo and said, what do you think? I said, I think it's unbelievably stunning and incredibly frightening. And of course, my kid being a kid is like, why is it frightening? And it's just, you know, no matter how many conversations you have, there's young age is young age, right? It's why you got to have these conversations constantly and, and not in a way as I see it of, of, of anger or, or, or radical intensity, but just in its, in its logical ex- explanatory. And then, you know, there are places for emotion. Don't get me wrong. So the word went forth, the Israelis, they're going to mount a ground offensive into Gaza. The Israelis are going to mount a ground offensive. I guess everybody decided to play John Kerry and just leak what the Israelis were doing. Ground offensive. It was a ploy, according to the Jerusalem Post. It was a ploy. So websites... Uh, right of media outlets, Washington Post, ABC reported this incursion. Isra- Israeli troops have entered the Gaza Strip as conflict with Palestinians escalate. Israeli military says that was a tweet put out by the Washington Post. The problem: there was no ground invasion. What the Israelis had done was put together 160 aircraft. They were going to engage a bombing run over the Gaza Strip. The target something called the metro or just metro which is this underground network of tunnels where hamas stores weapons remember they they store weapons in schools they store weapons in hospitals and they store weapons underground and we've heard about these tunnels and they tunnel over to the israeli side and then they pop out and they kill israeli families let's just note what what's happening here so here you have these tunnels that are the real target of the Israelis. But they announced the ground initiative. Why does the ground initiative matter? Because the Hamas terrorists then run to the tunnels because the tunnels, as described, are the first line of defense. You can fill in the rest from here, can't you? I already, I can smell the smoke. The wheels are turning, baby. So... The anti-tank missile teams, the mortar squads, which are meant to strike at incoming Israeli ground forces, they go into the tunnels. They're ready. There is no ground offensive. What's coming? The the Israeli uh, uh, aircraft. And that's when the metro attack began. So the IDF leaked a false story to a media that was more than happy to share it 
without even checking it, just just believing it, because they knew they could get an advantage on the terrorists. I'm sorry. These people are smarter than we realize. Just so we understand each other. These people are smarter than we realize. Now, these are the Israelis we're talking about. The Israel haters, uh, they ain't that smart. And instead of condemning blatant crimes against humanity and human rights abuses, many members of Congress have instead fallen back on a blanketed statement defending Israel's airstrikes against civilians under the guise of self-defense. Under the guise of self-defense, that's Representative Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is an anti-Semite, and the people who support her are shameful and despicable. They're terrible, awful people who you should not associate with. But Ilhan Omar is not the only bigot in Congress. Now, I want to make sure I'm saying this properly. I could be quoted. Rashida Tlaib, Representative Michigan, is a bigot. Representative Ocasio-Cortez, who has attacked uh, Joe Biden for saying that Israel has the right to defend itself. She is a bigot. And Representative Andre Carson, who represents an area just south of me, represents Indianapolis, my beloved city, is a bigot. So much so is Representative Andre Carson a bigot that a local group called the JCRC, the Jewish Community Relations Council, which I have had, and I continue to have, massive problems with, isn't focused, as I see it, on Judaism. It's focused on wokeness. Can see through what is happening and has put out a statement to express disappointment at Congressman Carson's divisive rhetoric. Now, the argument could be that it should be condemnation. But I am so impressed that they said something that even a group that clearly has a far left view of the world recognizes something that we rationalize as important, that Israel's existence should be of some level of importance to Jews across America, and I would argue plenty of non-Jews across America. On May 11th, while hundreds of rockets were raining down on innocent Israeli civilians, including families and friends of many in the Indianapolis Jewish community, Representative Carson chose to participate in an anti-Israel rally in front of the U.S. State Department at which he applauded speakers accusing Israel of ethnic cleansing. When Representative Carson took the microphone himself, he stated that this fight is for anyone who is black, Latino, South Asian, or Jewish. Now, I actually had shared uh, some of this just yesterday. I mean, this is the congressman. It's your fight. If you are Latino, this is your fight. If you're South Asian, this is your fight. If you're white, this is your fight. If you're Jewish, this is sure enough your fight. If you are an American, this is your fight. Now, this was after he spent a lot of time talking about his sister, Rashida Tlaib, and how much he loves uh, uh, Sister Rashida. 
Rashida Tlaib is the one who, when she got into office, took a post-it note and then wrote Palestine over it, and then either her or a staff member put it over Israel on the map in her office. Remember, when they say from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, that's a call to genocide. And there's Rashida Tlaib wanting to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. As the JCRC notes, we are not a monolith, the, the Jewish community. We represent Jews in central Indiana who are of black, Latino, South Asian, Iranian, French, and Israeli descent, and many more. And I think statements like this have actually rung out across the country. Additionally, Representative Andre Carson issued a divisive joint statement on May 10th with two other members of Congress, which implied Israel was acting as a unilateral aggressor and accused Israel of perpetrating wanton human rights abuses. Representative Carson's words and actions exhibit an incendiary one-sidedness and a disregard of both history and the facts on the ground. For years, I have been lamenting Uh, that Indianapolis would vote for such a man. This is a man who agreed to speak on a panel with somebody who was on the terrorist watch list for funding terrorism. He then begged off the panel, claimed he didn't know. He knew. This is a man who will not condemn Louis Farrakhan, will gladly work with Louis Farrakhan, has had meetings with Louis Farrakhan, this anti-Semite, this man who hates white people and who hates women. And now this. My argument has been that Congressman Andre Carson has, um, well, he's got uh, really bad judgment. (laughs) Terrible judgment. I actually once got interviewed by uh, Tim Mack, or I think it was the Daily Beast, and man, cause I was on this subject, and he was desperate to try and get me into a conversation of, uh, of Andre Carson being Muslim and that being my problem. Because that's the easy way out, isn't it? Oh, Tony Katz, he just doesn't like, he doesn't like Muslims. He doesn't like black people. You know, it's just a bigot, that Tony Katz. Oh, my gosh. He just does that. So It's just all a, a game, so people will like him. I've been right since the day I started having that conversation and I've been proven right. I don't want to be proven right. I want people to take action. You can't elect people like Congressman Andre Carson. Congressman Andre Carson is a bigot. And the people who support him support a bigot because either they're fools or they agree. These are the options. Not because I say so, but because it has been laid bare before us, it can't be denied. If you support Ilhan Omar, representative of Minnesota, you are a bigot or you are a fool. Not you, they. You you see someone supporting Rashida Tlaib, bigot or fool. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who gladly talks with the one of the great anti-Semites of our time, Jeremy Corbyn, leader of the Labor Party in the UK, bigot or fool. That is the supporter. I was thrilled to see this. I actually wrote them. A group that I have in, in, in my morning show and in other places flat out vilified for failing to do this. And I wrote them to tell them I'm proud. I'm proud of them for doing this. For what it's worth, I believe when people do the right thing, you should say so. And in this case, they did the right thing. Now it's up to us. 
Congressman Andre Carson created a bill that said if you've been impeached twice, you can't be buried at Arlington National Cemetery. He wasted his time with that. He thinks he's good and moral and decent. And it is time for not just people in Indiana, but people across America to throw these bigots out of office. They don't get to lecture to us about what's good and decent. You want to talk Israeli policy, you could probably talk for forever. You want to say Israel doesn't have a right to exist, and you won't recognize that Hamas is a terrorist organization, you're a bigot. And you don't deserve any leadership role. Vote out Andre Carson, vote out Rashida Tlaib, vote out Ilhan Omar, vote out Ocasio-Cortez, and do it speedily and in my lifetime. I'm Tony Katz. So later today, I'm heading over to the Mecham auction. There's no chance I buy anything, but I'm going to try. And how, how do I not get a muscle car? How do I not do it? By not doing it. Why? What? Why, producer? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Yesterday, you know how I stopped by. I, I ended up in a conversation, and they're like, "You should stop by," and I'll stop by. I, I I stopped by to say hello to the local Maserati dealer. I mean, yeah, Maseratis are cool. Those things are unbelievable. Ama- the roar of the Quattroport, unbelievable. I, I'm like that. Like, like, like Maserati is a statement, right? Like, I appreciate that. My grandpa That's why has I one. like the idea of some of the, the, these classics. I like the idea of a statement. I want something. No, that's so pretentious. Don't buy a car to just make a statement. I don't think that. You can have fun with it. Th- that's the point. Buy it because that's- you want it, not because you want to impress people oh no 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 no. okay i that i can appreciate ari of, of course i want it that goes without saying right uh my, my kid's gonna be driving uh soon i i need a car but i'm not buying the kid a car the kid's lucky he's got a house to live in you know dear lord so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna you know get something that i can have and then you know uh the kid can drive the minivan lucky you yeah you know try not to be stupid so I'm looking for something. I want something that's fun. I missed out on the 75 Cal- Cadillac Eldorado. <sighs> Very disappointing. I also missed out on, uh, where, where was it? Hold on, where is it? There it is. The 73 Pontiac Bonneville. Is there a deadline for you? Like, can I pick a date in the calendar and say, like, if Tony doesn't buy a car by this point, he isn't going to get one? Um, uh, by by uh, mid-June. That's usually, you know, what is the thing when Vulcans have to mate? I, right? Yeah, I, that, I'm... I'm not sure how that relates. Well, it, it's just that it happens one once every uh, a, a seven years, right? Uh, right? I mean, Ponfar. That's it. Ponfar. That's for me. Every year, May until mid-June, I need to buy another car, and then it goes away. If uh, I didn't buy one, it goes away. Okay. Right? So so mid-June, this is my Ponfar, and by mid-June, I should be all right. I love it. I should be completely fine. Oh, there's another Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, I wonder if any of these will even be left. There's no one none of these will be left. Dang it! God, I wish I could man up and just do this already. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz today.